0: Hello friends, welcome to this episode of Catapult Leaders Podcast. I'm Daryl Mobley. Today's topic Nobody Leaves Heaven. Everybody tries to leave hell. Also known as How to Make Your Company More Inclusive and Welcoming. My special guests today are Morgan Bruton Johnson and Jasmine S. Mobley. Let's go. I am thrilled today to have two young people who are, um, I think they're just right for this moment. You know, we talk about what corporate America can do, what it needs to do to make itself inclusive, to make it an equitable environment, all this other wonderful stuff. And I've talked with a lot of people, a lot of people who know a lot of things, A lot of people who've been in the game for decades, not just a few years, there's a wisdom with that. And it's correct. It's right. It's wonderful. However, I wanted to talk to people who maybe were just just getting started in their professional career. They've been in it enough to know how cold the water is, but they're not so old that they think they know everything, right? That's why I have today two young achievers, Morgan Bruton Johnson, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves briefly, and Jasmine Mobley. And let me start with Morgan. Morgan, can you tell the audience who are you and what what are you doing now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my name is Morgan. I am in my mid twenties. I am currently a dual degree graduate student pursuing my master's in public policy and my master's in business. Um, I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia, um, but I ended up going to Princeton University for undergrad and where I majored in international and public affairs and minored in um, ethics and global health and health policy. And from there, I went to New York, where I consulted for a couple of years before deciding that I wanted to go back to graduate school. But a lot of my kind of observations about corporate America are based on those years that I spent in consulting, both in my own company's culture, and in the culture of our many clients that I that I worked with while I was there.
0: So. Oh, you, oh, you observe the culture of your clients as well. That's very good. <laughs> very, 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 very good. Well, thank you. And Jasmine, other than the not well-kept secret that you're my daughter, could you tell tell the audience about yourself, please.
2: Yeah, I, my name is Jasmine Mobley. I recently finished my MBA at Columbia University. I did my undergrad at the University of Chicago where I played volleyball and I was an econ major. So naturally thought I should go into investment banking. So I did that for a few years in New York, which then prompted me to, it was great, great people, great experience, but it wasn't what I wanted. So that prompted me to go to business school, to switch careers. And I'm now a senior brand manager at Procter & Gamble, um, working in the FemCare business. So very, very different um, from investment banking, but I really, I love it. Um, And I definitely relate to the consumer a lot more.
0: Oh, oh, relate to the consumer. Did you ever talk about the consumer when you were in investment banking?
2: No, not really. (laughs) I was going to give an answer and I'm like, well, not really. Not really. Yeah.
0: No problem. No problem at all. Well, let let me do this. Uh, But I have to ask you, Morgan, who did you work for in New York?
1: So in New York, I was consulting at um, Bain & Company um, in New York for the years that I was there.
0: Okay, perfect. And About how many uh, client companies... Do you think you had the opportunity to observe while there?
1: Um, While I was there, I observed uh, about five different clients, a range of for-profit and pro-bono clients. Um, So I got a pretty big spectrum of experience. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's good. Uh, Jasmine, what about you? You work for whom in? in, in Uh,
2: City Group in New York.
0: City Group. And how many different clients would you say you observed you all doing projects for?
2: A lot. I I honestly, (laughs) I don't know. Gosh. During my time, maybe like
0: 50. Yeah, just a lot of, a lot of, a lot. Yeah, I, observe. okay. And the environment, okay. And this is all, this was pre COVID, right? For you and your work was pre COVID, right? So you had a, a natural experience in corporate America, your first years. There are so many people like you. And I can tell you back when I was uh, at your stage, um, you know, we were the blind leading the blind, we really were. We didn't know anything. We knew we didn't know anything. And we didn't know anyone who knew anything, right? So it wasn't even like someone who'd done it. They had 20 years in. So this is really fantastic. So today we're going to talk about two big things I want to cover today. And one is, it's my five things, right? Five things that you think companies can do to create a welcoming, inclusive, equitable environment for Black professionals. And then I'm going to ask you for five things that you think Black professionals can do, right, make sure that the environment they enter uh, gives them what they need and they get out of it what they want to get. So that those are our two topics. That's what the audience is here for today. And having said that, I'm going to start off and I'm going to start off with um, Morgan first. Let's start with five things you think companies can do to create a better, equitable, inviting, warm environment for black professionals. Tell me one of those things, please.
1: Absolutely. So I think the first thing that any company looking to create an equitable and inclusive environment should do is first to honestly assess their workforce and their culture. Mm -hmm. I think too often companies work from what their senior leadership thinks that thinks that they are or what they think that the culture is or what they hope that the culture is. Um, And I think the first step really is to just assess what does everybody in your company at different levels of your company feel and experience every day.
0: Now that Um, is, that is, I like it a lot. And let me ask you a question about that. How might a company do that? How, would, how might they assess where they're, what the state of the state is where, where they are, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the, start, the start there is looking at the data that leadership certainly already has available. Look at the demographics. Notice mm-hmm. if all of your people of color are in executive assistant functions and you have very few people of color in what you would consider your core business functions. Um, I'd say you can look at that data and already start to tell how people are probably feeling or or, or what experiences they're having. Mm -hmm. And then I think the next thing to do is to ask. I think it's really important to constantly be serving uh, your employees, your peers, your coworkers, and probably anonymously in order to get the most honest reflection of those experiences.
0: Are you suggesting that if the CEO or division manager asks someone, especially publicly, how they're doing? they might not get the real stuff. Is that what you're saying?
1: I think absolutely. I think that's absolutely <laughs> a risk is first and foremost, you need to know that you are asking the question in a way that you'll get the honest answer and not the answer that people think you want to
0: hear. That's exactly right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Jasmine, what is your first thing may not be the first thing you think, but the number one thing you want to share with us right now that companies can do to create that environment. That's right for black professionals.
2: It's funny. Cause it's pretty similar. I said, I said, listen, you know, I thought, listen to black employees and really try to understand their perspectives. I know to Morgan's point, there's so many surveys and there's so much information and there's also like the informal conversations that happen, right. Of like sensing from the organization, how people are doing. Mm -hmm. But to Morgan's point, like if you really want the truth, then you can't walk up to someone and be a senior leader and ask them how they're feeling. Like, what do you think about this? They're going to tell you what you want to hear because they want a job. Mm-hmm. And so I think like treating employees kind of like consumers whose needs you really want to meet, like it matters to you, right? Like if I think of my job now, like if we just weren't meet, serving consumers and we don't have a business. And I think that's a lot like, you know, what we're talking about here. So yeah, I would say listening and trying to understand and truly caring about the outcome right like Mm -hmm. not just like somebody told you now we need to worry about black employees so quick like get everything you know (laughs) and and, and like i read an article once or this black employee said this to me but really try to get it because also to morgan's point there's not that many black employees unfortunately at Mm -hmm. most of our companies so it's not that many people that you have to seek information from so like really make sure you're clear on what the what the you know what the consensus is Mm -hmm. and don't try and make it what your consensus is like really listen
0: have either of you seen senior managers or leadership, or whatever you want to call it, seen them try to shape shift the feedback to make it fit something that is not?
2: Yeah, all the time. I think I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I mm-hmm. think sometimes, you know, you'll it'll it's almost like a caricature of of oneself. Like you'll be sitting there and you'll say something. They'll ask you something and you'll say something. And this is just over a variety of different different places that I've worked you'll say something and then they'll repeat it back to you and it's like the complete opposite of what you just said right (laughs) and they're saying it in a way like we're trying to consolidate feedback and like bucket it in ways that we can understand but I think that's the key thing like if you're trying to take my perspective and bucket it in a way that you can understand then you're not really doing the job right because the point is to make this a comfortable and positive place where Not only does black talent want to come, but wants to stay. And I think if, I don't think that people realize the impact of consistently, like you think you're listening, but you're not really listening. And the impact of continually feeling like you're not heard, I think is something that hurts a lot of companies retention and they don't, I don't think they know
1: why.
0: Okay. Anything more? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think, I think sometimes it's, I think sometimes it can be not. Terribly well intentioned. Sometimes it is somebody just doesn't want to hear that their management style isn't working. Um, but I, I think other times also it can be born out of a sincere desire to relate. And so I think it requires that leadership take the humble approach of realizing that they they simply don't relate to all of their employees, mm-hmm. or can't relate and shouldn't relate, or shouldn't seek to take their employees' experiences and then mold them into something that that fits with what you already believed about the world. Um, one of the mm-hmm. things I talk about in my article is walking into uh, an office building that wasn't even our office building, totally new to up to me. And then a receptionist stopping me and asking me if I was delivering food and like who I was delivering food to. And, and that was something that was distinct to my experience as a black woman in an office building. And if, a white male leader had told me, oh, you should just be wearing a blazer when you show up on Monday mornings. Like that would not have been helpful feedback for me. And it wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have taken away the right thing from that. So I think sometimes it can be born out of an honest desire to relate, but that doesn't mean that it's productive.
0: Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. What's the second thing you wanna share with us Morgan for ways companies, of the five, companies can make the environment equitable, inclusive and welcoming to black professionals?
1: Yeah, my, my second way is to seek to facilitate open communication and transparency. And this this goes back to culture, is you have to create spaces in which people feel safe enough to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And so that is, that is work because there are certain office cultures where you might go in and you are supposed to do the job and leave and if nobody knows your name that's the best case scenario because that means that you didn't do anything wrong you didn't do anything crazy right but but i think companies that are looking to improve have to be willing to encourage and create specific spaces for open communication and transparency because these are also not things that come out in the normal like order of business so you have to be you have to be constantly creating a culture that says it's okay and it is safe to to raise your
0: experiences here just a quick time out. You're listening to an episode of Catapult Leaders podcast. Uh, and I want let, let me let me put that into practice. Thing. So if I raise my experiences, my experience might be that, "Hey, boss, you suck," All right? Or my experience, my word, not yours. Or my experience might be that you know. The way you're managing us doesn't work for me, or you're not managing us equitably, or whatever the case may be. H- have you seen, have you ever tried to speak up and had that be a situation?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've certainly had situations where what I mean is I don't like the way you're treating me. Um, but but at that point I also take into account how can the person that I'm talking to receive what I'm trying to say? And if, if I know it's somebody that's not at a place or they're capable of receiving. I don't like the way you're talking to me, mm-hmm. um, then sometimes that just means creating, creating opportunities for your, for your peers or your coworkers to say, I actually respond best to feedback after a moment has passed. Because when you correct me in the moment, I feel like I'm being chastised in front of other people. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's about creating a culture where you can raise your experiences and, and people on both sides are being conscious of how they're communicating but you can raise your experiences and feel safe doing so in a way that somebody else can react to constructively.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Jasmine, your thoughts, please. You're Your number two for the five things that corporations, companies can do to make I think, better.
2: I, I feel like we're on the right track. Well, first of all, ah. I'm your daughter, so I interrupted you, so you're probably used That's to that. Good.
0: That's sorry. good. That's my <laughs> <laughs> That's my daughter. That's my daughter, yes.
2: Um, but I feel like we're on the right track because my second one was the same around like, creating spaces for us to feel like we can be honest, but I think I can give an example. Um, One of the places that I've worked, they were trying to do like a, you know, summit or something around uh, improving retention of black talent at the company. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because I remember being one of the one to two people who spoke up out of like 50 black people on the call, all levels, and afterwards people were saying to me like oh it was so brave of you to speak up and like keep doing that and i kind of asked her like well, why you know like well, if we don't speak up we can't really expect anything to change so i was wondering why no one else had spoken up and she brought up the point that in the past people had you know people have been there a lot longer than i had people had and they'd been sort of chastised or secretly kind of under the table there had been weird things that had happened in reviews or comments about them um and so i just think to morgan's point for one thing, it's being aware that that kind of stuff can happen and kind of being smart about how you speak up and kind of watching out for yourself. Um, But also, I think making sure that when you say you want feedback, you can't choose what kind of feedback that you want, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and and the feedback is not maybe the same, you know, in business, I think it can be very polite feedback of like, oh, I wish and this and that. But like, at this point, what we've been doing, we being corporate America has been doing for all this time has clearly not worked. And it's not just because 2020 and Black Lives Matter happened, like it has been not working since you were, you know, starting out in your career to now. So I think people really need to just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And to Morgan's point, knowing that like, you know, you may be, you are an expert in your business, but you may not be on this topic. So really just like Actually, you said to me as a kid, you know, humbling yourself to knowledge and somebody who might know more than you on this thing, and uh, be okay with whatever you hear, or just don't ask for feedback. Right? Um, One of the two.
0: Right. There's that. Right. Just don't ask. Right. And let me just say this now for all the listeners. I'll ask a question. You two have never met each other. Is that correct?
2: No. Yeah. Never never met. correct. Correct.
0: Right. And so you you didn't coordinate beforehand with your answers.
2: No, we never met, never seen each other.
0: There you go. Okay, so this is good. No, this is good. I want people to have a sense, of context of where this information is coming from. So that is fantastic. Okay, Morgan, your third way that companies can make it a better place for Black professionals?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so my third way is to encourage peer-to-peer accountability. And so what that means is I think there's... There are a lot of opportunities for peers to hold each other accountable before you get to escalating things, which Mm -hmm. is my fourth point, which is there needs to be a way to escalate things. But before that happens, you should be striving to encourage peer-to-peer accountability so that things don't have to be escalated. No Mm -hmm. one likes for things to be escalated. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And what people, what especially Black employees want is for things to be resolved with as little extra effort on their part as possible. And so for me, what good looks like on this is, uh, is I had um, a supervisor who was great, who he would say, hey, hold me accountable if you notice me doing this again. And he would say, not just to me, but to everyone on our team. And he would say, let me know if you notice me doing this again, or let me know if you see this happen again. Okay. And so by him creating that opportunity for us to hold him accountable. It took a weight off my shoulders because I said, if I don't see this, I know somebody else will and somebody will let him know um, mm-hmm. that he needs to course correct. And it was just nice to know that A, he was receptive to that and B, that real change would come of it because he was he was spreading the opportunity for us to hold him accountable.
0: Okay. I'm gonna interrupt here by asking, I'm gonna ask you all a question. If you can think back to those first, uh, how long were you working at Bain before you left Morgan?
1: Uh, I was working at Bain for about two years.
0: That's good. And, and Jasmine, you were two years at, with City. is that correct? Okay, good. So I want to I make sure I, again, I'm trying to make sure the audience understands this. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'd like each of you to answer. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being you were at your authentic best, you gave your absolute best, you were able to give your best to the, to the company. What do you think your number was at Bain or at City? And what do you think? It uh, what do you think was the external thing that stopped it from being a ten, unless it was a ten, Morgan?
1: Yeah, I think this is this is hard to answer for consulting. I, I imagine also for investment banking because it differs so much mm-hmm. project by project. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say at my worst, the answer was probably a three or four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that, that was really due to kind of the absence of things that I'm, that I'm mentioning that I will mm-hmm. mention, which was mm-hmm. a feeling that I, I wasn't being heard. There wasn't, there weren't opportunities for me to speak up mm-hmm. when I did speak up, it wasn't going anywhere. So it was mm-hmm. a feeling of being trapped. I think that kept me from being at my best
0: trapped, wow.
1: that, that feeling of, I'm think I'm communicating everything I can, but I don't feel like it's going anywhere. I don't mm-hmm. feel like it has the potential to create change. Um, and, and ultimately fortunately I did get out of that, out of that project in that situation mm-hmm. and things improved in the future. But I would say like at my worst, I would definitely say I was at about a three or a four.
0: Wow. Wow. And, and what do you think you could have been going, looking back in time, I know you're looking back and it's yourself and judge It's hard, but the, help me to say, looking back, if the environment had been inviting, inclusive, you could say your piece, you, it was, you know, you felt like you were being supported. What do you think? Honestly, looking back, me, you know, perfection is hard. But what do you think you could have been?
1: Yeah, I think I can say that on my on some of my best cases, um, okay. I think I was probably at around an eight, like mm-hmm. nowhere is nowhere is perfect. There right. were still times where I was on a team that was all men and they were talking about sports for forever. Right. And maybe they made fun of me when I brought up pop culture or right. or what have you. So not, nothing's perfect, but right. I'd I'd say at my best, and I did experience some really really great teams and, mm-hmm. and experiences. I was I was an eight, so there was real range there.
0: That's excellent. That's like no, that that's that's a difference. That benefits the company, it benefits everyone, and you feel better about yourself and everything. Jasmine, what about you? What one to ten? What do you think? What do you think you were, and what do you think you could have been?
2: This is funny because this was like five years ago for me when I started that job, and I honestly think I kind of blacked it out of my mind. To be honest with you, you know that you know that pretty well. I had good experiences there for sure, but it's um, it just wasn't. It just like when you're talking about I think I think perhaps in general, investment banking is not necessarily known for developing its people or these things that you're really asking about, right? In terms of you know, making sure that it's an inclusive environment. I don't think I ever heard that word. I'm not saying that it wasn't discussed. I just don't remember ever hearing it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that was a focus. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had other work experiences, obviously, since then. So I think probably at my worst, how can you be at your best when you sleep for two hours? I don't know. At my like consistently at my worst, I don't know, probably like a two in terms of being my authentic self. Like, I feel like I was just kind of running and going and doing what had to be done, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you, which I mean, you know, well, And um, I feel like at my best, which I didn't really discover until I left that job, Mm -hmm. I would say like a nine or 10, honestly, Mm -hmm. like where I really feel fulfilled in what I'm doing. No place is perfect to Morgan's point Mm -hmm. at all. And like these discussions still happen no matter how perfect the company seems. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that the discussions are trying to be had and that like employee development is like one of the top things that managers really think about um, where I am now and at other companies that I've been. then I think that makes a difference. Like what you're focusing on is kind of what you get. Right. Mm-hmm. I think if you talk to a lot of people who, you know, have done both of the kind of career paths that I've done, I'm sure you'd get pretty similar answers.
0: Well, wow, OK. So, OK, Jazz, what about your number three? for uh, ways companies can create an inclusive, inviting, and wonderful environment for Black professionals. Which, by the way, let me say this also for listeners. What I've discovered in my life, when you create an environment that is inviting and inclusive and and productive for Black employees, Black professionals, everybody benefits. Because in everybody, it's good for everybody. I mean, it's a wonderful place for everybody when it's good, good for this group. But it can be good for one group. And not good for black professionals, and that's what we're trying to address here. So I'm sorry, Jasmine. Go ahead, number three, please.
2: Oh, that's good. You're my dad, so you interrupt me too, right? Goes to <laughs> <you.
0: laughs>
2: Just kidding. So I would say creating a it kind of is on the point that you were just making, but creating a concerted action plan to attract and keep black talent, and that those are like two separate things, and they look different, and what's needed is different.
0: Me for keeping um, for keeping and for and for yeah, retaining. Okay, attracting, or, attracting, attracting, retaining
2: are different. Okay. And I think companies will say, oh, like we got, you know, whatever number of black talent this year, like, great. You know, now we'll just focus on keeping people on retention. And it's like, okay, but like you also are not, like, your numbers for incoming people are not great. They're just better than they were, right? Right. And like you need to focus on all of it. And there's separate kind of action plans because I think people think by just hiring us, Mm -hmm. okay, we did it. You know, And then they don't know why three years later, everybody's gone and they have to start over again. And I think it would just be better for the companies and for the employees, right? If we got clear on why that's happening and then you can solve for it, right? Because it's expensive to continue to have to hire and redo your plans and all that stuff. So I would say creating a clear plan. And I think also in doing that, making it a clear priority and imperative for the business um, that you understand why what's happening is happening, right? Why, why maybe you're offering people jobs and they're not taking them, or why people are leaving maybe faster than you'd hoped. Um, and then just making that your focus, right. Make succeeding with black employees, your focus. And I think I've talked to you about this before dad, but like, you know, people will say, okay, like we need to get black employees or excuse me, we need to get diverse employees. Right. And then they'll just be like, that's it. Right. And then they'll look back and wonder five years later, why there's nobody black to Morgan's point. You, you know, if you don't break down and get very granular, just like we do on all of our business problems of like, where is the black talent going in the company, you know, and and, you know, if it's all executive assistance, that's that's great, too. But like, you know, do we want black people in leadership and management positions? And if so, why are we not seeing them there? They surely exist. So you need to figure out what's going wrong with the way that you're you're speaking to people or finding people where you're looking for people. Um so I think just being super clear, because if you're not clear, Black always gets lost, confused, conflummix, and then we're just panicking whenever, you know, Black Lives Matter comes around again, then everyone's panicking because now you realize it because somebody died, right? Okay. As opposed to this has always been a problem and get very clear, like there'd be no business decision that would be acceptable to be just like, we don't know, like, we don't know how we got here and we'll try our best and we'll see, like, that's absolutely crazy. So it needs right. to not be true for this number as well.
0: You're correct. When it comes to hiring, retaining uh, and advancing black professionals, uh, people are allowed to say, I don't know a lot. Nobody tries to leave heaven. But everybody's trying to get out of hell. And so when you, if you're in a situation, companies where people are leaving you, let's be clear, it's not heaven. You, whatever you think it is, it's not heaven. So there you go. OK, Morgan, number four, number four for ways companies can can improve and can put together an environment that works for black professionals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My number four, and this is kind of a jumping off point from my last point about encouraging peer-to-peer accountability, Mm -hmm. but my number four is establishing uh, formal upward feedback and reporting channels. Mm. There has to be a forum where individuals don't just get feedback from their supervisors, but individuals can report up to their supervisors and, and above their supervisors if necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've talked about the challenges of being leadership or management and not not having your, for example, your thumb on the pulse of what people in different mm-hmm. roles or different functions are feeling. Mm-hmm. And upward feedback is a really important way to do that. And so... I think it's critical that you have those formal channels for both upward feedback and reporting when there's an incident, because when there is an incident or somebody does want to report something, that's typically their last resort. So you need to make sure that goes right, because to Jasmine's point, that's when you'll do lo- that's when you'll lose people. That's when attrition starts to happen mm-hmm. is not just when things go wrong the first time, but when somebody's trying to get something fixed and they find that there's nowhere to go.
0: Wow. Very good. Very good. All right, Jasmine number four.
1: I was going to build
2: one other, I will do that. And then one other thing on Morgan's point, I think that the kind of peer-to-peer accountability or like we always say, like, see something, say something, Mm is really valuable because even, um, you know, at companies that I've been at, they'll do kind of discussions on basically how men can be more inclusive leaders to Mm -hmm. women, for example. And one of the things was like, you know, not interrupting and things like that. And it's so funny that that was like a clear takeaway from the meeting. And then very next day, the same man who didn't understand what was going on was the same one interrupting everybody. But the, but the kind of feedback from that meeting was, you know, somebody who's maybe our level at a company is probably not going to feel comfortable to say so-and-so you're being rude or you're interrupting, like stop. But a woman maybe who's at his same level or man or whoever is at his same level has no problem saying, down, you know. Right. So I think that 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 can be really valuable to Morgan's point, knowing that like leadership is not afraid to kind of you know hold each other accountable, right? Because to the point about that we talked earlier of like honest feedback, you're not going to get honest feedback from someone like me at like telling you to be quiet, most likely, right? I'm right. just not going to do that, right? Um, Okay, so to the question you actually asked me, I think um, having specific programming and resources in place to support Black talent thriving once they're there, you know, in the organization, and and that can be a lot of different things. Um, I think one thing that at my current company at P&G that they do really well is there's like a whole Black brand network and they're super supportive and from the time you're an intern through like the most senior you could be at the company. There's a lot of support there. Like they're, you know, there's, I'm, I'm a mentor for an intern now. And I look at all their, they have a, like, they have their work plan and their team and everything. And I'm completely separate from that, but I look at everything and I give feedback and we're all in touch to make sure that this person is really like on track to succeed and get an offer for the internship, which I think is great. There's, you know, programming specific to like how I got promoted, you know, from people kind of people you knew actually when you were there at P&G who are, you know, pretty senior now, kind of telling people how they got promoted and how things went. Basically being real, which I think that black employees really value, like the truth, um like what's really happening and I don't think that that's always communicated. Maybe it's like in an attempt to be polite, you know, we dance around things a lot, but I think having these spaces where black employees can feel like they're getting the truth and they really know what's going on. So they're not leaving confused and wondering because I think black employees in particular, relative to other employees are more likely to leave and feel frustrated if they don't feel like they're getting the truth. Right. Whereas, you know, I've been places where nobody feels like they know what they're they're getting the (laughs) truth. And some employees are more willing to just accept like, Oh, I don't know, you know, and I think black employees in particular tend to like, to really clearly know where they are. So I think just having those spaces where that is kind of the theme, I think is is really important.
0: Just a quick timeout. You're listening to an episode of Catapult Leaders Podcast. Excellent, both of you. And as I think about what you said, there's probably a good reason why, um, you know, I haven't done any research on this, but why perhaps black employees, black professionals uh, want to know the truth? Exactly what's going on? We have a history where we were not always supported by the system, right? Or we weren't being told the truth. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. It's not. It's not all conspiracy theory. Somebody's. It, no, it's real life. You go through life. You're like, hey, wait a minute. We have to make sure X, Y. Is this really where you want to be? Are they really going to treat you well? Is this boss really going to support you? And you're right. Until you're in those rooms where those decisions are made. You don't know what's being said in those rooms where those decisions are made. And I can tell you to briefly uh, stop this train. I can tell you, I heard things once I was in the room and I could hear bias. I could hear things that were said and I'm thinking, wait a minute now. Okay, you hold it. Why is that being said? Because you know, I know all these people and you're assessing them in a certain way. Why, If you're not in that room, then you have to trust the people in the room and that's why You know, can you find an honest speaker? Somebody who will tell you, no, 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 here's how you do it. Here's what's going on. Here's how you need to improve. And sometimes the truth is tough. Sometimes it's, hey, you need to do better at X, Y, and Z. But I'd rather know that than to be, you know, going along and people kind of, uh, you know, blowing sunshine up my address and then, you know, kicking me in the teeth later on. Uh, Nobody wants that sort of stuff. All right, number five, Morgan, the fifth thing that you think, hey, companies, get it together. Here's my fifth suggestion on ways you can make it better for Black professionals.
1: Yeah. So my fifth thing and is specifically ensure access to mentorship. And this is knowing that everything will not be perfect. Um, everything will not be perfect for a, a long time, probably. And so when you have Black talent, specifically what they're looking for is, is they need that support. That support network is critical. Um, black talent are the way that our corporate America currently looks, probably not going to have as many mentors or as many obvious choices for mentors as Mm -hmm. white talent. Um, There's very few Black people in most corporate uh, settings in leadership positions Mm -hmm. or even senior management positions. At least that was the case where I was. Um, And so ensuring that your Black talent has somewhere to go for support and for guidance Mm -hmm. is incredibly important. If you don't have the senior leadership numbers like a, make that a priority because that will also be key to retention and to your black employees thriving and having a positive experience. But B, like make sure that person is supported with three times as many people as, as someone else who who maybe sees themselves represented all around the office. Um, like make a concerted effort to ensure that your black talent has access to mentorship to help them get through what the tough times that are unavoidable unfortunately in the world that we're in right now.
0: Question yeah. for you must the be- must the mentorship be someone who is black or tell me what your thoughts are about that?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think ideally someone who's black because there will be things that, that other people can't relate to. It, it's mm-hmm. ideal. I think at the same time, one of the things that I've spoken about being uh, feeling guilty about was that there were only two or three black senior leaders uh, at my old job. And that was really hard because I felt guilty taking up their time because. Like Jasmine said companies will do a lot of recruiting but not so much retention mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden they've hired 20, 20 black people in the first three years and we're all going to the same three right. senior right. leaders for support right. so I don't, I don't think that they have to be black that's just not feasible in some places you, you can't you can't expect a, a deep relationship with somebody if they're mentoring a lot of more junior black people um but i think that the hope there is that they can relate to different elements of the experience and they're people that are conscious enough to know where they can't relate but still give the best advice they can
0: okay okay all right very good very good jasmine number five please your fifth is your list of five things that corporate america can do to make it all a wonderful glorious place unless you want to comment on what morgan was
2: saying um I've, I always have a comment, but I—I <laughs> I was just gonna say that, um, yeah, I think that one thing we—we we have, I mean, at the company that I'm at right now, I have a black mentor, and I also have another mentor in my division who is not black, mm-hmm. and I think they tried their initial attempt, right, was to give ever give us all all like the not that many of us that there are, give us all like, you know, black mentors all the way up. So you could kind of see what your career path could look like as you stay in the company. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously to Morgan's point, that's not always feasible, but I think that it's nice. Like I have like a, a mentor who's been in the company for six years who is black and he's great. And he was my mentor in the internship as well. And then there's, I have another mentor who's been in the company for like 15 years um, and she is not black um, and she's, but she's in my division. So I think that like to Morgan's point, to the extent you can have at least one touch point who is black, but I think that something that they've done really well um, at P and G is they like, if, if you have a mentor who is not black and there's a black related question, right? Like Mm -hmm. clearly specific to that experience, like they will do a really good job to Morgan's point of finding someone who can answer your question, Mm -hmm. um, right. Or be a resource for that. And even if they're not a formal mentor, but they kind of have some experience or can address some thoughts, questions, concerns you might have just about planning your future at the company. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what, that's what I would add on that. So I just agree and, um, have seen that work work well when they can't give you a Black mentor.
0: Let me ask you a question. Do you feel different about the advice you get from your, your mentor who is Black than you, than you do for the mentor who is not Black? Or is it just, it's all information you're taking in?
2: I personally, I think that I have benefited from trying to take all information as, as good information, right? right? Like any information that someone can give me, I try to take that and, and make it helpful from, for me. Mm-hmm. I think that my, and maybe this is by virtue of the fact that he's younger in the company. We've known each other now for two or three years, mm-hmm. but my Black mentor, I do think it's much more informal, like I'm getting the real answers to my questions as opposed to the corporate answer to my questions, which doesn't mean that the other answers I'm getting are not good and helpful but I do feel more comfortable with that. And mm-hmm. as you know, in my life, I've been around a ton of different people of a ton right. of different backgrounds. So it's not right. an issue of not being comfortable around people of different backgrounds. Right. I think I'm very, right. but I do think that the feedback that I'm getting from my black mentor right. is just a lot more like if I were talking to you and asking you a question, mm-hmm. like you actually want me to do well. And you're mm-hmm. really trying to get to the mm-hmm. to the root of the whatever question I'm, I'm asking.
0: Okay.
1: Um, So in that regard, yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Morgan, anything on that? Or you let that one fly?
1: Yeah, no, I I think that to to Jocelyn's point, it's about having like different expectations for different relationships and Mm -hmm. knowing what certain people can and can't give you. I think Mm -hmm. I was in an inverse situation where there unfortunately were not a lot of black leaders kind of like in the middle and between Mm -hmm. like me and super senior people. Mm -hmm. Um, So those relationships were slightly more formal than my other mentorship relationships, because Mm -hmm. that person, their time was incredibly limited. It was like, if I'm, if I'm taking up your time, I'm, I have like these specific asks, I want to do this, this and this, and then I got to get out because you're busy. Um, And so for me, that meant that I had less formal relationships with mentors who were not black, but I was being more straightforward with them and I intentionally picked people who I could be more straightforward with them. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you're not going to be able to understand this. So I just need you to hear me vent. Like, you're not going to fully get this, but just know that I'm upset. And, And that was also really valuable. So I think it's being smart and intentional about the types of relationships that you have with people available to you.
0: You know, the information you two have shared, five things companies can do to make it more inclusive, more open, more welcoming, better, equitable, all the right words for Black professionals has been fantastic. But to know me is to know that uh, I like owning my stuff, right? I can own my stuff. So I always think about what can I do? And that's why my next round of questions or my next question or point to you is, I want to know five things that Black professionals can do to make that environment one that works for them. You know, I think that's an... This is an important point, because um, I forget who said it way, way back in the day, that way back hundred something years ago. you know, if others do everything for us and we do nothing for ourselves, we'll fail. But if we do all we can for ourselves, and we, even if others do nothing, we can win, we can succeed so i 'm a big one for owning the moment, so i 'm going to start now. I'll start with Jasmine with this one, okay? We'll just flip it back and forth. And I want to know, the the point I'm bringing out is five things Black professionals can do to make that world they're entering or they're in a better place for them and maybe for others as well. What, What do you got for us, Jasmine? What's the first one?
2: I would say speak up, like make your perspective known when there are opportunities to do that, right? And of course, we talked about doing that strategically and being smart about it but making sure that your perspective is known if you see something weird about recruiting or the way that we're recruiting or how we're talking about black employees like make sure that you let people know what you think because if you don't say something chances are it's not going to get flagged and it's going to continue to be a problem Mm
0: -hmm. wow okay can you think of any particular example uh, that you want to share or no
2: i think um just in general there's a way that we speak about black employees. I mean, I've had a a former, former manager, you know, interview a black student from my undergrad who was super, super smart, like almost had a 4.0 at the university of Chicago, which is difficult to do, had, had grown up in the foster system, like had a lot of challenges. And I, and he, I spoke to him before his interview. I thought he was really prepared. I was super impressed by him. And, um, After his interview, I asked how he had done and the guy came over to me and he's like, well, you know, I can't put my finger on it. He's just not really polished. And I was like, what, like, what does that mean? Right. Because I'm sure he knew the answer to every single question and he couldn't under, and you know, this is somebody who hired friends who golfed with him and kids, friends who went to the same frat and all these things, which is again, fine, but I think you have to really try to understand, you know, and I had to, and I had to speak up and say, you know, when we if you can't tell me why you think he's not polished then perhaps we need to reevaluate you know our assumptions here and i think that there's a lot of things like that that happen that probably we're not even involved in the conversations of right had i not asked like i'm sure i would have never heard and he would have never gotten an offer and we would just never know and it would have been a mystery. But I think those sorts of biases, right? Like just because somebody didn't grow up in the Hamptons doesn't mean that they're not polished, right? They're just different than you. And really trying to separate like not qualified to do this job from not the same as me. Um, and for me, that was something where I felt like I had to to speak up.
0: Let me, let me ask you about that a second. It had to take, I don't know if you recognize it at the time, it had to take a lot of courage to step up like that. Would you you agree? Did you feel like this was, oh my God, should I say something or or did you just, you weren't even thinking about it. You just started shooting from the hip.
2: No, I wasn't. I was not shooting from the hip at work, only in the house. When only I talk to you, do I start shooting from the hip.
0: Perfect. Um, Perfect.
2: (laughs) But no, I, I mean, I thought about it. I paused. Like I was sitting there and he was carrying on and like laughing about it to people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I, you know, I spoke, you know, afterwards, I didn't want to, you know, to Morgan's point don't embarrass people, right? Because I'm sure, even though I strongly disagree with what he was saying and his rationale, I don't think you win anything by discussing that, you know, in front of his peers, the boys, as it were. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, it did probably take courage. And I think I like took some, I always try, I think, you know, like in work settings, I always try to like take a breath and like think about, do I really feel like this is something that can help the outcome of the situation? And if so, then you need to say something. And then if so, then when and how? Um, So I remember thinking about it and pausing on it. And I mean, of everything that I said, I blacked out of that experience in my life. I remember that. So I think it was probably impactful, um, even though I didn't think of it that way.
0: All right. Morgan, so we're putting it to Black professionals, things they need to do to, to make that environment work for them. What do you got for us?
1: Yeah, so my first one is kind of building off of where we ended up on the five things companies should okay. do. But, but from the professional side, it's, it's build your personal network and board of advisors. Okay. Um, so for me, I think the person that I am, I'm, an, I'm a natural kind of introvert. I'm a natural, like, put my head down and get everything done myself. And so asking for help doesn't come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's probably the biggest mistake that I made early on was not wanting to ask for help early enough. Um, and then not not having built the relationships to know who I could ask for help and who was the right person to ask for help in a certain situation. Um, so I think the, the first thing that any professional, especially Black professionals, need to do is get to know people enough that you can build your personal network and have go-to people for every situation or every need that you might be having.
0: Wow. Now, um, let me ask you a question. So what what caused you to know that? What, what, was it, what experience told you, you know what, here's, here's something that's really important. What was it?
1: Yeah, I think I was in a particularly dif- difficult situation at one point with a difficult supervisor and speaking to him wasn't working. Like it, mm-hmm. it, he, he didn't seem to be getting it. Um, and so I realized I could either continue coming home very upset every day or I could try something different. And that trying something different was reaching out to a peer who told me, no, that's not normal. That's not the kind of thing that somebody should be saying to you or to anybody. Like here's who you should talk to. And so to me, first I reached out to a peer when I felt like I could no longer solve a problem on my own. And that peer fortunately had the good sense to tell me like, no, this is worth raising to somebody. She validated my feelings. He observed and validated with her own observations. Um, so I, I credit her a little bit with that. I, I was surrounded by the right friends to right. say, the right friends at work to, to guide me to where I ultimately needed to be on that. Was
0: this friend Black or not Black?
1: Uh, she was not Black, but she was not white. So, mm-hmm. so she, she also understood.
0: Mm-hmm. Jasmine, number two on things Black professionals can do to create that better environment, inclusive environment for themselves.
2: I think helping to uplift younger talent in the company, whether it's like a new hire or an intern or something like that, just try to mentor where you can or in some way pay it forward and really try to look out for each other and be honest about what it takes to succeed. Like not like you get in the club and then you shut the door behind you, right? Like now (laughs) that you know what it takes to get where you get, but really try to lift up as you kind of move up in your career. And I think in my experience at P&G, there's been a lot of people who really try to do that. Um, and it's like a core function of, (laughs) I think, being Black in brand now. I think that's just like what you do, Mm -hmm. but I think it's really important, right? Um, Because there's so, I mean, this is true of a lot of companies, right? It's just challenging to succeed in particular if you don't know the roadmap or like what is even expected, right? There's what's written on paper, but then there's all the other things that are like the unsaid things. Mm -hmm. And I think to the extent that you can help kind of demystify those unsaid things for new talent or people who are considering coming and working at the company, then they'll feel like there's a place for them, like they're supported. And then I think that helps to create an environment where people want to stay and then they tell their friends and then, you know, and it becomes a place where, you know, not only is Black talent coming, but they're staying and here's why. Um, So.
0: I will tell you that it wasn't until after I moved forward in my career and, and had some years between me and and the it was an initial corporate opportunity, which was great. I had a great time. When I realized how many people who were not black had the hookup. They had connections. They knew people. Maybe their father or uncle or brother was in the same fret as their division manager or I mean these things, it was unbelievable. All these connections, which when I was your age and in it, I didn't I wasn't aware of it. There was no LinkedIn. There was none of that stuff back then. So I just thought everybody we we're all Fresh and new to this world, no, we weren't. No, 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 we were not fresh and new to this world. And and uh, and so what you're talking about, taking control of there is is creating that kind of environment where you're uh, you have a I don't know a nurturing a a nurturing connections with nurturing with people who nurture you through. Like Morgan mentioned, asking the friend and you people you can creating them. passing it back. And that's just, again, you know, when I was your time, we didn't have enough people to have all the passing back of anything. You're right to take advantage of that and to understand that's what needs to be done. Very good. Morgan, what about you? Number two.
1: Yeah. My, my second thing is uh, to be realistic about your personal capacity for work versus advocacy in the office. This is a little bit of a self-preservation tactic, but it can be really tempting. And especially now when every company has like abortive inclusion yeah. and an initiative and then X, Y, and Z, it can be, A, depending on the number of, of Black people at your firm, you might be one of the few people that can take that on that's, that's legitimately qualified to tell anybody what to do on those issues. Right. Right. Um, and it can be tempting to either feel like you have to do that because you're one of the only ones or because you don't want to say no and look like you're not a team player, Or to honestly really want to do that work. Like some people are really called to that work and really want to do it. Mm -hmm. But if it's outside of your core job, you have to be realistic about how much capacity and how much of yourself you can give and still do your job. Um, And it is at the end of the day, you have to keep in mind, one of those roles pays you and one of those roles does not. So, So don't lose the one that pays you because you're trying to do something that doesn't. Um, and that's a whole different discussion of if you find that you really are called to advocacy, make it a role, ask your company to pay you extra for being the the also the global director of, of diversity or of inclusion. Okay. Um, but But be realistic about that, because that is from the perspective of seeing things from others. That's often work that your white peers are not being asked to do. And so don't break your back for something that nobody else is being asked to do. Sometimes know when it's the right time to set your own boundaries and say, hey, this is work that really needs to be done. It cannot be me. Hire somebody if you need to hire somebody, get an outside firm to consult on it or contract on it, reach out to somebody else at a different office. This needs to be done, but, but be realistic about how much of yourself you preserve for your core job and how much you give to, to advocacy and to doing other work. I,
0: again, I'm going to talk about courage, Okay because what you're talking about, once again, I wanna make sure this is clear to all of us, all the black professionals, that none of this stuff happens without courage. I mean, it's just, it, there's, there's no, nobody's gonna rub you on the back of your neck and it's gonna be this perfect world. You have to do nothing. You have to do things. And what you're talking about, you know, stepping forward and saying, hey, even if it's, this needs to be done, I can't do it, but here are the options for you, get it done. That takes a certain amount of courage. And I would, I would encourage all of us to have the courage. To create the change that we say we want, and to step forward. And you said, if you're not if you're not able, or if you're going to do it, I mean, I love your suggestion. If you say, you know what, I can spend time doing this, but hey, company, you're going to cut me off a little more because this is a whole nother thing I'm doing here. This is not like something insignificant. I'm here. I'm benefiting the individuals I work with, but also the company by retaining. So let's 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 set something up and formalize this. I think very very smart, very shrewd, but also very courageous. And so so far so far you two are throwing strikes. Just a quick time out. You're listening to an episode of Catapult Leaders podcast. All right, Jasmine, what's number three on things black professionals can do to create an environment that is inclusive, inviting, and right for them?
2: Before I answer number three, I was going to say that That's something I think I started talking and then I forgot to say this before, but consulting experts like is a real, I think, super important because clearly what we're doing isn't working, right? So, like, you know, whether that's experts on hiring or retaining Black talent, if it's a consultant or if it's like a company, somebody who knows and hopefully, God forbid, the person on the, you know, hopefully they hire somebody who's Black on the team and running things too, right? Like, hopefully you're not consulting. A diversity, you know, firm that doesn't have anybody black because that they exist, Um, but really, really doing that I think is super important. And I just wanted to say to Morgan's point, that's a really good thing that I've had to learn is that you and I think companies have to create space where you can say no, um, but saying no to these things that you don't have time to do because at the end of the day, and I think we don't always know this, right? You get told that it's going to be really good for your reviews and how you're viewed in the company. But in reality, to Morgan's point, if you're not delivering on the business, nobody really cares. Like you will get passed up for things because you're putting all of your sweat equity into this thing that you didn't really ask to do, but now you're doing, and it's a ton of time and it's optional, but it's not really optional. Um, so I think that, that, that is a really good one. And just tying on Morgan's point, my third one was advocating for yourself. Um, and the kind of the, the angle that I took was being clear, Um, in terms of your career goals, what success looks like, so that you can get to the highest levels of the company that you aspire to. And like being, you know, not letting people be a bad manager to you, like making sure that they tell you very clearly and get clarity and ask a third follow up question or a fourth, if you need to, or ask somebody else who can give you the answers you need, but making sure that you're clear and vocal about what your goals are in the company you know what what success looks like to you and make sure that that you know that you're getting the answers you need to succeed because i think that we can create these spaces we want for ourselves if we continue to morgan's point to ascend to levels where we're able to make the decisions and make the calls and the only way to do that is to make sure that you're performing but also clear on you know what performing at a high level looks like for this company or for promotion
0: fantastic all right morgan what about you what do you got for us number 3
1: yeah. So my number three is, is to develop healthy situational management tactics. So in advance of things that we know happen in our world, like be prepared, be prepared to be slighted or for microaggression or macroaggression, like be prepared and develop healthy coping mechanisms for that. Um, so it, depending on who you are, that could look very different. But for me, that was always thinking about, all right, if somebody says something and it hurts me or it hurts my feelings. I am going to take 10 deep breaths and 10 is a lot of deep breaths. It gives that person time to realize that what they just said did something to me. And it gives me time to really think about what I want to get out of the next five minutes without reacting emotionally or without, without underreacting and pretending it didn't matter because that's also a tendency that I know I had personally was the first few times any, anything happened my immediate reaction was, let me talk over it and pretend this never happened. And that's not a constructive response either. So for me, a healthy tactic was to take a long enough deep breath that we both had to acknowledge that something happened and use that time to think about what I wanted out of the situation. Um, For other people that might be coming up with an immediate response for a comment they get all the time. If people are always asking about your hair, up with something you're going to say to people when they come up to your, you about your hair that lets them know you've got to stop doing this, but that also doesn't leave you thinking about that interaction for the rest of the day and unable to live your life. Um, so that's my third one is, is think about what is healthy for you and keep that in your back pocket whenever something does go wrong.
0: How did you discover that would be a healthy Morgan? How, would you, how did you discover that that would be a healthy way for you to handle those microaggressions?
1: Yeah, I mean, after a few things went wrong, I started thinking about what I wish I'd done. And invariably, what I wish I'd done was taken more time. Um, so after a few times of really regretting how I acted in the immediate aftermath and regretting not acknowledging things enough or regretting clearly speeding up in the way that I was talking because I was so stressed out, that's when I just started trying out, let me take a pause. Let me take a three-second pause. Let me take a five-second pause. 10 seconds ended up feeling right but just notice when you feel unsatisfied what it is that you feel unhappy about and try out different ways to resolve that the next time
0: Hmm. okay wow fantastic fantastic all right jasmine number four we're offering ways that black professionals can create an environment that works for them in their corporation what do you got
2: Um, We kind of touched on it earlier, but I would say pushing teammates and leadership to challenge the biases about Black talent that they have and hiring, because then I think you'll get to the right answers. I think that, you know, there's been at every company that I've worked at, but there's always questions of like, why is Black talent leaving? You know, what's going on? We don't possibly know. And I know, you know, that that's been a thing for 30, 40, much longer, many more years, ever since basically we've been allowed to work in companies. But I think that, really, I think that to the point we talked about earlier, it's easy for people to just say, okay, this is the answer. And then that's it. And, you know, oftentimes it's an answer. Somehow they always suggest an answer that can't be solved for, right? Like, it's just (laughs) the way they are, you know, they don't want to... In corporate america or they want to start this or do that or whatever and it's never honestly if we're honest it's never really the right answer that actually gets us to a solution so i would say like making sure that we're pushing people's assumptions and bringing up you know our perspective what we know things we've read heard listened to to really make sure that we get to the right answers because even the most i'll say well-intentioned people have a lot of biases about black people about Black talent and companies, about hiring Black people. Maybe they read it in a book or heard a seminar or God knows where they get it from. But I think just making sure that we're, you know, when appropriate, kind of pushing those assumptions so that those don't become the way that we think as institutions and then shape the way that we hire or don't hire.
0: Wow. Throwing smoke here. Morgan, what about you? Number four on ways Black professionals can help create an environment that is better for everyone.
1: Yeah. So my number 4 kind of builds off of my number 3 which is it's to establish soft and firm personal boundaries. So just know what are what are your boundaries? What are things that make you feel a way that y- you won't allow people at work or your workplace to make you feel and establish those boundaries for yourself. Know what feels right, know what feels wrong and and be prepared to protect those boundaries. Um so I often had soft boundaries where if I felt like somebody was operating off of an assumption about me that wasn't correct or was making a comment that that they wouldn't have made to someone else like that was that was a soft boundary for me and I would joke around and I would say oh why don't you ask and then I would say the nearest white man in the room right. and so for me there were some questions from things that I just wouldn't entertain and that was a soft boundary um and then there were hard boundaries which were things that if someone says something to me once, I write about this in my Harvard Business Review article, I had a supervisor ask me if my boyfriend was doing my work for me. And the first time I did the thing where I like talked over it really quickly, because I was just really confused and embarrassed. And that obviously wasn't true. Um, but then the second time that happened, I was like, that's my hard boundary. And I, I went to the person that I was staffing, that was staffing us. And I said, this is what this person's saying to me. I am I don't want to work for, and I don't want to be reviewed by somebody who does not seem to be capable of giving me credit for my work. And so by having that hard boundary set, I was able to not give it too much mind space. Like I didn't sit there all day thinking, oh my God, I can't believe he said this to me. I said, well, I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly what I'm doing. And it was taken care of. And so I think it's, it's really critical for your own mental health and for your professional success have those soft and hard boundaries so that you don't waste your time dealing with things that isn't taking up the time of your white colleagues so why give it more of your time of day than it absolutely requires
0: okay let me i i need to dig a little bit on this one because this, this is this is lovely give me an example morgan of a soft boundary and i'm going to ask you jasmine for the same thing a soft a something is a soft offense a boundary give me give me an example morgan
1: yeah um for me i think i had like a soft boundary around my hair like i I switched mm-hmm. my hair up a decent amount um but it obviously wasn't that relevant to how i was doing the job and there and there were people who were really respectfully appreciative of the the time and effort that went into whatever hair i had yeah. um but then there were people that took kind of um uh, there were certain people and certain comments that take a tone of oh i think you care too much about your hair or you probably spend too much time on your hair or black women feel x about their hair like there are comments that are in that tone and so those those for me were soft boundaries of I'm going to hear what you're saying and I'm going to take it with the intent that you have if it's appreciative if it's complimentary if it's it's something that I think you would say to our white colleague who dyed her hair you know let that rock and I'm going to respond to you in kind. But, if I think that it's something that brings to it a different set of assumptions about me, that's when I'm going to say, like you said, like, "Oh, did you go to Atlanta just to get your hair done I'm going to say like i don't know did 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 James go back home to Long Island to get his hair done like that's that was a soft boundary for me
0: okay. Jasmine soft boundaries
2: well, first of all, at first, I was struggling to think of them, but then the hair examples were good ones. First of all, this I never thought about hard or soft boundaries, but this is pretty funny. So just to, so we can all laugh. There's a person I, there's one other black woman on my team at work and there's a person at work who, you know, our hair is obviously curly naturally. And so like, sometimes it's in buns, sometimes it's down, sometimes it's blown out, sometimes whatever, you know, she'll get braids. And every single time, like literally any time, like it could be anything. I could have had a ponytail in one day and not the other. Oh my gosh, your hair has gotten so long. Well, obviously not, right? Because it, it like nobody's hair just grows. So then I have to explain. Well, my hair is really curly, right? And then when I you know straighten it, it looks different. And the I know for a fact the other girl and I are very close friends. I know for a fact she's given the same explanation fifteen times, right? So that's just funny. And to Morgan's point. I don't even literally it doesn't even occur to me because I'm like this is just so silly like we you're very smart so obviously I'm sure that you know that like her hair could not have gone from short bob to long braids in the matter of a day so that's very funny um and then I would say also you know comments around like oh well you know how it is like black people you know like this or black people you know especially when we talk about hiring and, and practices like that. Well, Black people, you know, we should just go to the HBCUs. And it's like, well, I mean, we should probably go to HBCUs. But also, you know, there's a lot of Black people who didn't go to HBCUs. In fact, more Black people didn't than did. And so like, you know, challenging these assumptions of like, it's it's kind of like lazy lazy thinking right of like well we don't know what to do so we'll just go to the hbcu's like we didn't even know what that acronym was yesterday but like you know that's (laughs) where we should go right um or they're asking me what the acronym is they're like you know with the um uh you know and so i think that those sort of things are soft boundaries in the sense because like all i can do is really laugh because it's just i mean it's very smart people who somehow haven't had to make these sorts of connections before um and I think that to Morgan's point, soft boundaries help you not be crazy at work, right? Mm-hmm. Not not feel crazed all the time. Because if I I think if I consciously registered every microaggression or just at the least, you know, off-color comment, I would be so stressed out every single day. And like Morgan said, We have so much work to do, you don't even have time, you know, to to, to talk about how you know so and so felt about you know how felt nervous to talk right. to a black employee like I don't have time to think about that or question right. what's wrong with you I just
1: have to do my job so right. that's how I think about it wow Whew. yeah okay. and I would just I would add to that just that like also that your boundaries can flex with person like oh. there were there were like the black leadership in my firm I talk about my hair all day with them like I they, that's where we originated the like oh I'm going home to Atlanta and get my hair done joke but it really matters the intent of yes. the of of the interaction or of the person coming to you. And so your soft boundaries really do need to be like flexible and personal in that way. Yeah.
0: Very good. Very good. Okay. All right. If somebody was to, to say to either of you, well, how do I, how do I develop a list of my soft boundaries? How, how, how do I know what, what they are or should be? Is there anything you might tell them?
2: I mean, in theory, I've actually never thought of this before, but I think it's a good, it's a good practice. I mean, in theory, you could literally write down all these things that we've experienced mm-hmm. and decide basically to Morgan's point earlier about taking a breath, which of these things are worth your response and which ones aren't right. And like, what kind of response? Um, Cause some things are just like vehemently wrong. And some things are like, I'm just going to laugh because I don't understand how you can possibly even think that. And I think right. that this is funny and you're funny. Um, and the, you know, and those, the, the, there's different things, right? There's some things that are just, you know, we had a, at one of the companies I've worked at, we had a bias training And somebody spoke up and said, well, it's not really my fault if I see a black person in the alley and I assume that they're more dangerous than a white person. Well, obviously I had to say something about that because that is both stupid and dumb. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make any sense. And it's not a soft boundary because if you say that and I sit there and I just keep my mouth shut, then everybody assumes, well, Jasmine was there. So it's fine. It's probably not a big deal, whatever. Um, You know, those things, and I never thought I would have a list like that, but I guess after five years working, I guess I do. So those things, there's some things that are just wrong, and you have a visceral reaction to and some things that are like, this is annoying. But as Morgan said, kind of buckle up, because this is going to be the probably the rest of your your life in corporate America. So knowing how when to joke when to, you know, say something when to say something in like a lighthearted way, and when it's like, this is a problem. So you're going to need to really reassess, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm.
1: what you're saying and how you're saying it
0: yeah okay
2: yeah
1: i would agree with that i think a big part of a lot of this is self-awareness just like noticing how things make you feel like sit down and think about at the end of every day what made me feel bad or what gave me like what people call like the ick like what gave me the ick write it down and and be prepared for that the next time like know how how big of an ick how bad and and just just prepare yourself for that
0: wow Wow. Okay. All right then. This is very. You're right. This is one of those. I'm. I'm flashing back to, Grandmaster Flash's classic. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm thinking. <laughs> I can. I can imagine somebody pulling out their list of aggressions and deciding. Wait a minute. Okay. You just crossed the line. And then it. Then it goes sideways. So. Okay. All right. What's number? What is number five now? Jasmine. You're number five. Okay. Jasmine. The fifth and final, uh, way that black professionals can create a better environment for themselves in corporate America
2: yeah one thing that I've done which I think can be helpful um is aiding in recruiting efforts where you can you know and I remember being on the other side of it like I think it's and again to Morgan's point obviously you can't do everything but one thing I've chosen to do is be a part of helping bring in new talent because I think it's important to see others that look like you in the role that you're considering to help you be confident that you know there's a place for you here so anything you can do even if it's like being on a school recruiting team or helping with, like, we have this thing called Brand Camp where, you know, MBAs who want to come, Black MBAs, Black and actually other people of color mm. um, who are MBAs who want to come work can, like, interact with other people of color who are, who were MBAs and who are doing the same role. And I think, you, you know, there's days where they get to hear speakers and get to do case studies and engage with us and get their questions answered. So I think doing those kinds of things, if you can, just to show people that there's somebody like you because if you don't see somebody like you at least somewhere doing what you want to do then I think you're not going to f- even if you feel like oh I can still do this you may not feel like you want to and you may not feel like you can see a clear path for yourself as you look up you know beyond mm. entry
1: level
0: well okay all right Morgan fifth yeah, and some- final
1: My fifth and final thing, and I feel like, I think it's Jasmine and I are a good pair on this because Jasmine has a lot of like outward looking things and what you can do for others. And I'm very much like protect yourself. (laughs) So I feel like we've covered the the full range of what matters. Um, But my fifth one is just ground your identity outside of work. Like don't ever forget that your value does not come from work, that the person who supervises you or the person who writes your review has nothing to do with your value as a person or your success as a as an individual, as a human being. Um, so just ground your identity outside of work, know what you want for yourself long-term, know that you are part of a bigger system for everybody in your life. Your supervisor may be in charge of your day, but your supervisor is thinking about you and themselves and the job they want to. Mm-hmm. So don't ever let somebody who only thinks about you sometimes determine how you feel about yourself all the time. Uh, So for me that looked like I was um, a yoga instructor the whole time I was in New York and I cared a lot more about how good of an instructor I was or what studio hours I could get. um, than I did getting feedback from somebody who I didn't believe had my best interests in mind. So just don't ever give your value to a person or a company that you feel is not necessarily uh, prioritizing you in the same way.
0: Let, let me Hopefully. just make sure I restate this. I want to get it, I, I want to say it for the people in the back of the room. Don't let somebody who thinks about you some of the time determine how you think about yourself all of the time. Very strong, Morgan. Very strong, very strong. All right, my goodness. Well, this has been great. I got one final question for you. And now that we've talked about the five things that companies can do to create a better environment for black professionals, the five things black professionals can do to create a better environment in corporations, what do you think the future holds? What, what do you, you say you're looking forward and, and for you, the future is, of course, you know, you've got a lot of stuff in front of you, you know, give me some five years to what, 10 years, three years, pick your time and say, here's what I think it holds. Morgan?
1: I can say what I hope the future holds. I, I hope that, like you said, I, I don't rely on or believe that other people will be 100% of the solution. I hope that we, there are enough um, allies and white professionals that they are making change where they can 100%. But I also think and hope that the future holds um, more of us in leadership, more of us making the decisions to make the workplace a more accommodating and inclusive place. Uh, like you said before, making workplaces a better place for black people makes the workplace a better place for everyone. Um, that's called like in in academia, the, the lowered curb um, phenomenon. When you had cities that decided to create the indentations or the ramps on your street curb so that people with wheelchairs could access it, you didn't just make it easier for people in wheelchairs to get around your city, you made it easier for pregnant women People who with certain muscle issues, people who'd recently been injured, people who were older. By making by making changes that help some marginalized groups, you help everyone. So I have to hope that it's more of us in leadership making those changes that in turn benefit everyone and make all of these workplaces more inclusive and a better place to be.
0: Nice. Jasmine.
1: I hope. Uh...
2: I hope that the future holds and I actually believe I'll say if the company I'm at now is like a, is an example of that I hope that the future holds people continuing to hold each other accountable you know for actually making change I hope that the same energy we've seen in the past 12 you know nine to 12 months continues and like not because your boss told you that it mattered but i hope that people's ears and hearts are open and that they're really listening to what's been going on and understanding that racism is not just when someone gets killed you know on the streets wrongfully but it's also you know the way that you choose to hire or not hire somebody or the way that you choose to promote or not promote somebody those biases are racism too and so i hope that people can you know, be honest with themselves about what biases have they held or they as an organization have held that have impacted where we are today and just realize it's wrong and then we have to fix it, you know, because I think that's what we do with every business decision. If we've gone wrong somewhere, we have to say we were wrong and we have to say, here's how we're going to move forward. And so I hope that I see that move forward and not that it's just, of the moment until the next time something tragic happens and then we have to you know, go through all of this again. So I hope people are really listening that their hearts are open, that they're not saying in the back of their head, well, it's not me or it's not this company because as you said, if every place were heaven, we would not be talking about retention. And no matter how great a company is, every company is talking about retention, particularly with black employees. So I hope that people are honest with themselves. I hope that you know we keep the same energy And as you said, I hope everybody to Morgan's point, I hope everybody kind of says it with their chest, right? I hope that white employees, other employees of color who are not black, I hope that black employees, I hope everybody speaks up um, for what, what is right and what matters so that we can move forward. Because to Morgan's point also, we're not always all going to be in the room when something crazy is said. And oftentimes we're not going to be. So it's on everybody, right, to realize that this is wrong, this is a problem, and be as mad as I've seen people on Twitter and Instagram about this, like that same energy in the office. So
0: let me just say I want to thank both of you for giving your time. I know it's a lot of time. And and uh, but I want to thank you for being expansive in your answers and sharing you're both leaders. We got to reach out because there are a lot of people out there who may be thinking what you thought, or maybe they don't know what, to do. maybe they hadn't thought about microaggressions and soft boundaries, but now you're giving them a framework to move forward. And ultimately, everyone's happiness is up to them. And I will say this to all the other people out there who are where you two are, please be authentic. Please be authentic. You know, there are a lot of people who have spent their careers not being who they are and there may not, it may not be the fastest route to hell, but it's one of the fastest routes to hell. Because whenever you get to the end of your line and you look back and say, I wasn't who I should be, I wasn't myself, that's gotta be a hell that, you know, is terrible. So I always tell people that being authentically you, being who you are is your superpower. It is the thing that separates you and allows you to be great. And if you are in a place that try as you might you cannot be authentically who you are that doesn't mean you don't need to improve and develop we all do we do those things. but you know what i'm saying if you're in a place where you cannot be authentically who you are you have two choices in my opinion change the place or leave period you know accepting it is not an option i i, I just can't do that i can't imagine that and i would just encourage everybody to say, like i said say it with your chest you're gonna you, you have value you have incredible value and you too are speaking, maybe not for an entire generation, but there's a whole lot of people who are in your, your cohort who this is for. And, and I hope a lot of people in corporations who are high up here this as well, but I just, I'm so thankful for what you all have said. Again, I know you have opinions, you shared them. Is there, let me just, before I shut it off here, is there anything else you wanna say before I say, we've done this, we have finished? Jasmine I, I got it all
1: out. These were, they were great questions. So thank you for that.
0: You're welcome.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say, thanks for having us. And thanks for um, having this conversation. Cause I know a lot of, a lot of your peers, right? Like maybe wouldn't think to ask us what we think, which is kind of the root of the problem, right? So <laughs> I think that asking us what we think, um, you know, I love talking to you, obviously you're my dad, but asking us what we think, I think is really valuable. And I hope that this helps people who are our age or even like when our age, when we came in and we were going through it um, because it would have helped me a lot to realize that I have a voice and that it matters. And if the place isn't working for you, like get out, you know, um, either fix it or get out. And some places are unfixable, quite frankly, (laughs) in our lifetime. So fix it or get out. So thank you for for doing this, Dad.
0: 100% true, guys, 100% true. You guys are great. Keep moving forward. Keep moving us forward as a people. I know you can do it. Keep moving society forward. Thank you again. That's a wrap for this episode of the Catapult Leaders podcast. I hope it added value for you. If you want to work together to solve the problem of underrepresented Black talent throughout the pipeline, please go to catapultleaders.com and contact us. Catapult Leaders is America's leading executive search firm. That matches outstanding black mid to senior level managers, early career talent and college interns with engineering, supply chain, computer and data science and marketing roles at top companies that value a diverse pipeline, equity and inclusion. Also, you can subscribe to the Catapult Leaders podcast at podcast.catapultleaders.com. Or wherever you get your podcast. One more thing. Together, we win.